It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. Now presented by the Up On Game Podcast Network. Big news. Big news for us. Uh, shout out LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, Plaxico Burris for picking us up. And the sky's the limit from here now. I hey, mean, hey, look, and we've been doing this for a while. I think closing in on what, like two years total for Straight Facts, you guys? Two years. Uh, yeah. Kyle, you came on during the pandemic, Matt. We started April 2019. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's been a long journey, uh, but really the journey is just beginning. We're, we finally have our foot in the door, and uh, we're definitely going to take advantage of yes, it. I sir. can't wait. Well, we got, I'm sure we got new listeners. We're going to have more even coming through. So, I'm your host, Kyle Sirik, for today. James Jackson's our normal host. He's out away. Podcast IR. Podcast IR. We had one guy just come off Podcast IR to my right. I'm this back. is Jake Galley. And we got stat Matt Robinson. So this is straight facts. We're moving up the totem pole. A lot of NFL teams oh, are one. starting to make their move up the totem that's pole. And that's going to lead us into our first segment. That is the NFL midseason movers. There's one team that has to be on this list, and we'll just start with them. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw them on Monday night take down the Bears. Four straight wins. They're now the hottest team in the AFC North. After four weeks, they were 1-3. and three. Everyone else in the division was 3-1. and one. And now they're sitting half a game back of the Ravens of first place. So, I mean, no one. If someone tells you they know what's going to happen in this division, they have no clue. But the Pittsburgh Steelers have now entered the conversation. And what are we seeing for their chances this year? Well, I mean, if you guys remember a couple episodes, I think it was before the season, I, I said they might be a good bet for worst finish in the NFL, worst record in the NFL. You did say that. And after the 1-3 <laughs> start, I was pretty... Pretty confident in my prediction, uh, but you got to give a ton of credit to the defense and what they've done. Um, and I, I guess somewhat also Big Ben. Like it, it's weird to say, but Big Ben has been like that veteran, that savvy he presence. Host the first four games. Of yeah, he really did. It was it was it was uh, a miraculous turnaround of sorts. And Kyle, you know the team better than I do. I mean, I yeah. know that you. We we did a fantasy uh, a fantasy um, video. A couple weeks before the season, and mm-hmm. you mentioned Deontay Johnson yep. as a guy who you had your eyes on. He's now really starting to come out of his shell. Yep. Um, and there's also some free agents, wide receivers on the market as well that maybe, who knows, who knows, one big-name guy could potentially end up maybe on Pittsburgh. I don't know. I don't know. Chase Claypool getting injured. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe banged up. Yeah. But uh, it's been very impressive. And, Matt, if you want to read off the stats here, there, there have been some uh, impressive turnarounds. Yeah, yeah Roethlisberger in the first four games of the season – Look, Cook, like I said, four touchdowns, four interceptions, 78.9 pass rating, and just 6.1 yards per attempt. On this four-game win streak, Roethlisberger, six touchdowns, no picks, 104.6 pass rating, and 7.4 yards per attempt. So he's turning back the clock. And I think Mike Tomlin doesn't get enough credit. Oh, yeah. Because saying that they might be the worst team in the league, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. 
He had Doc Hodges and Mason Rudolph for a full season and still managed to go 8-8. Eight and eight. So I don't think the Steelers uh, are that great, but they're, they'll scrap along and finish 9-8 and eight because Mike Tomlin, it's impossible for him to finish under 500. Yeah, and I mean, so this is a tough division. Um, you know, the NFC West was the one people were coming in. That's a, probably the hardest division in football. That's kind of switched. The 49ers have been bad. Seahawks have been without Russell Wilson. I know he's coming back. And this division's kind of, you know, kicking it into gear and taking that number one spot. Every team has a winning record right now. So I, I want to know, because we're talking about the Steelers right now, in this division race, looking at the other teams in this division, wh- what do you think's the the plot for the Steelers? Well, I don't know. It's really, like I said, like I have such a pessimistic viewpoint yeah. on this team. And I think that that's, that's coming around. Uh, I still... Like, they're the fourth best team by talent, in my opinion, in the division. I know it's hard to say that with results. That's tough, yeah. But (laughs) you have the Ravens, who I think are more talented. Mm -hmm. The Browns are the big question mark to me. Yeah. Because they could easily be jumped. Their their quarterback is going to be at least banged up, we'll say, with the shoulder, Baker, all year. Um, So maybe that that knocks them. And Cincinnati, while they've looked impressive, and we talked about with Matt B, how much we like Cincinnati here. Yeah. They also have struggled. They lost to the Jets. So, like – it's really tough for me to say. I'd say optimistic looking at it since since they have improved third best in the division, and that's still maybe good enough to get into the playoffs. At this point, it would be. I yeah. think uh, the Steelers are in the playoff spot right now, and I believe the Browns also are, if I'm not mistaken. So, Matt, what about you? I think, I think Baltimore is a legitimate AFC contender. I think Cleveland is better than Pittsburgh, and I think both Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are decent teams that could sneak into the playoffs. I'd give the edge to Cincinnati um, just because I want them to. I hear that. I want them to. Um, but, um, like, the Steelers are 19th in DVOA. So they're really not – if you look at, like, Baltimore, they're sixth. Cleveland's fifth, which is really bizarre to me. Um, and, like, Steelers are 19th. Bengals are 22nd. I think there's a clear distinction despite the fact – that the records aren't that much different. But yep. I think throughout the rest of the season, you'll see Baltimore break away and finish probably like 12 and 5, 13 and 4, maybe. Um, Cleveland finish like 11 and 6, 10 and 7. And then both Pittsburgh and Cincinnati will be fighting for that 9 and 8, 8 and 9 zone. Yeah. I, this is what I'll say about the Steelers. We saw them last year get off to the best start in the NFL. Was it 13 and 0? Was it 11? 11 and 0? And basically fall off a cliff, get embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs by someone in their own division. I thought thought last year should have been Big Ben's last year. I know for a fact this year (laughs) is going to be Big Ben's last year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, I'm with you talent-wise. I'm not sure they're there. But they play tough. They probably have the best home field advantage of any team in this division. Um, So I, I, I lean with Matt on Baltimore. The Cincy is the toss-up for me. I'm, I, I don't think the Cleveland Browns are going to do it. I think if the Steelers can rattle off a couple more quick, say they go 3-1, and 3-2 and two in their next five, that still sets them up to be in the playoffs easily. The hurdle for me with them is Cincinnati because I think this team is really good. So, But we can move on. You talked about Cincinnati. You got some else? I just want to say, we'd be singing a different tune if the refs weren't as bad as they were Monday night. And that was crazy, yeah. So I, I still have a lot of cautions with the Steelers. Their new tight end has been great. Friar Muth. Friar Muth. Him and Deontay kind of pick up the slack that 
they lose in Claypool, and obviously Juju hasn't done anything in almost two years now, or it has a flash in the pan game here and there. But we'll move on to another midseason mover. You talked about Cincinnati losing the game to the Jets. Another team that lost the game to the Jets has now won five straight, and that's the Tennessee Titans. That's the only team in the league who's won five straight, and they have sole possession of the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, so we saw this team go 9-7 and seven from 2016 to 2019. We saw them be in the AFC Championship game just two years ago. Look at their schedule. They have a lot of bad teams coming up. They could really be the number one team in the AFC. But can they get over that hurdle? We've seen them in the B tier of the AFC. They made the championship, but even then they did it as a sixth seed. I mean, they weren't supposed to be in that game. Is this the year that the Titans can really keep it going? They've won five straight. I mean, that's impressive. Uh it's like a, a conflict of, of logic because on one hand, every part of me believes that Ryan Tannehill is not capable of leading a team to the Super Bowl, period. <laughs> like he can be in whatever system. Now, especially, I mean, Derrick Henry might come back at the end of the year, but we're really going to see without Derrick Henry here yeah. uh, how much they can rely on Ryan Tannehill. On the other hand, they've beaten just about every good team. I say good team because they lose to the bad ones. Uh, they've beaten every good team that gets put in front of them or gives them a hell of a game and like, you know, you look at a team that's been there before. They are playoff tested. When it comes yep. playoff time, if the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs of old, they're as live. I mean, yeah, they probably should be the favorite, like especially after what we've seen early in the year. Um, and, and and that's with they, – they've gotten past like the whole A.J. Brown slump. That's over. That's over. That dude's eating again. Yeah. So I'm very, very excited to see where they go now without Henry and how that offense changes. For me, it comes down to Tannehill. Uh, he's they're seven and two. He's been struggling. It's his worst year as a Titan. His first year, he's he played incredible, one ten passer rating, highest in the league, eight point six yards per yep. attempt. Um, and he's twenty five and ten as a Titan starter. Like that's where this resurgence happened. They were just always mediocre, mediocre with Mariota, and then he became the starter. And that season, they made the AFC title game. Last year, they go 11-5. and five. They lose to the Baltimore in the playoffs. So that was kind of like a Baltimore revenge game. If he can get it clicking with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and then Henry comes back for the postseason, with their easy schedule the rest of the way as a one seed, they got a great shot. And I know it sounds like a lot of caveats, but the AFC is wide open. Wide open. I, I think that is the thing. For me, it's not so much Tannehill. I've kind of – ever since I saw him put up that 110 pass rating, highest in the league that year – I know he came in a little late. He didn't play a full season, but still played a lot of games. I think he's fine. I think Ryan Tannehill is an elite quarterback in this league. I've defended that point before. I can do it again. I think it comes down to the defense. Yeah. They've been bad Yeah, in multiple games this season. I mean, they lost to the Jets. You can just take that as it is. I mean, you lose to the Jets any, any way it is. And they're good in other yeah. games too, though. Yeah, but they, they were good in the Rams game, I will say. And the Chiefs game. That was, yeah, but those because that was the game Mahomes threw two tipped interceptions, correct? Yeah, but they tipped it. <laughs> that, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. But I, I, th- I don't think they're as good as you would expect for the one seed in the AFC. I, th- I don't think anyone's good enough in the AFC for them to be the one seed in the AFC usually. But to have a defense, like I'll trust the Ravens' defense. I'll trust other teams. But this, I mean, what is the Titans in DVOA? In DVOA overall, they're 14th, but in defense, they're 10th. What's the difference? Basically, they like their performances, and obviously they looked terrible against Arizona, looked rough against Seattle, and rough against the Jets, but 
and, and rough against the Bills, but I think and the Colts. How are they tense? <laughs> exactly. They, I'm telling you, they've been bad. And this oh, is your stat, DVOA. Well, it's this is your stat. 14th is the one seed in the AFC, and that's where the question mark is. I mean, it's the game. roller coaster. Like their last seven games, you look at the opponents' points scored. You have 16 last week against the Rams. Great performance. 31 yeah. against the Colts. Horrendous. Holding the Chiefs to three points. Great. I mean, it was the was it the worst passer rating of Mahomes' career? Is yep. that what I read? Right. I mean, like, so great job. And it, and then you go back, Buffalo Bills, 31. Granted, a very good team. Jacksonville, yeah. below 20, 19. So it's this up and down sort of uh, week-by-week thing. I guess that means that the Saints are going to put 30 on them yeah. uh, this upcoming week. The thing is, if you look at the schedule, so you've got Houston twice, you got the Dolphins, you've got the 49ers, and you've got Jacksonville. And I don't think the Steelers are that good. And the, we'll talk about the Patriots later. It's such a – all they got to – if you're the one seed, you've got to win two home games and make the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So are they e- Well, really e- that easier good? said than done. But are, <laughs> are they really that good? No, but if you're the one seed, you can sneak in. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm penciling them in to the playoffs and saying there's a 75% shot it'll be as the one seed. But I'm talking now getting to the Super Bowl. They've gotten to the step before, right? They've had this success. Do you believe this is the best team in the AFC? No, I go Baltimore. Okay. Mm. See, like I said, I don't believe in Tannehill. But I also have my – and it's a shame I didn't get to say this to Matt B when he was on here because I know he's high on saying, you know, Lamar, MVP, whatever. Like Lamar Jackson costs his team game – like, and we've seen it – costs his team games too. And there are some other times where he gets really lucky when the ball gets put on the ground. And uh, and, he, and recently they've been able to – like he hasn't had like a, a game-breaking fumble or anything. But that is super live to happen when he's running around. Like yeah. they'll, they'll – and I never understand this. They do it with Josh Allen too. Why would you ever design a run play for your quarterback where the guys tackling him are going to be the middle linebackers and the box safeties? Like I just <laughs> – for the life of me, I can't understand why plays are designed that way, and I because get it. Because he averages six point. Well, because he can yards break one. Rush. He can break one, right? That's great. And you know what? Have your six point two yards per rush, and then you're going to have a lacerated lung when a linebacker catches him not looking. Like this is what happens to RG three. This is what happens to go back, go back all throughout all the running quarterbacks. Cam Newton gets banged up over the years. Like I don't know. I know it's how he is his best. He can't be. He can't. You, he's not Lamar Jackson without the running element, and it makes him who he is, that MVP-level player. Yeah, but we're not betting on Lamar's next three years. We're just betting on this year. Right. And I and that's I, nine games, regular season games to go. I just think that. And you know what? Like, they have other great facets to that Ravens team, too. It doesn't all fall on Lamar's shoulders. Ultimately, I mean, kind of does. But, like, for the sake of, like, building a competitive team. But uh, in that regard, like, I can see your point. The Titans are very similar in that way. Uh, not as good at the quarterback position, but you could argue they're better um, in some other spots. So yeah. I, I think I think if I had to bet right now, I would bet the Titans finishes the number one seed, just based on the record. Yeah, I think they'll be definitely number, one, one, seed. number one seed. I think Derrick Henry is going to hurt this team in the playoffs. The fact that he's not there is well, a might, huge blow. He might come blow. back. Well, it's ambiguous. But right? he's – wasn't it a foot injury? It's the – is it the list Frank? Or I think it's – Jones one? fracture. Jones, that's what I'm trying to – I'm going back through all the – the Sixers' former foot injuries. Yeah, right. Uh, but but it's a foot injury yes, to your yes. running back, to your team identity, right? Maybe Adrian Peterson can be serviceable in the regular season. I doubt it. I doubt it. Maybe Jeremy McNichols can be good 
he's shown flashes. But when it comes down to it, Derrick Henry won't be back 100%. I, 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 I'm going to say that there will be two better teams in the AFC going into the playoffs. It'll be the Ravens. on tape now. It'll be the Ravens, and it will be – I'm not saying – I still think they can be the number one seed, but I'm saying when it gets to the playoffs, I'm going to have two teams that I'm way more comfortable picking than the Titans to make the Super Bowl. It'll be the Ravens, and it'll be either the Bills or the Chiefs. But we'll move on. Matt hinted at it. The next midseason mover, who kind of surprising, is the New England Patriots. They started one in three. They are now five in four. They've won three in a row. They haven't dropped the game at home. And the team above them in their division, the Buffalo Bills, just lost to the Jaguars. They are falling. They're only half a game back. That is the Patriots of the division. The wild card is fully in play. Maybe not a team we thought we'd be talking about at this point to make the playoffs, but. I mean, the New England Patriots are doing it. And behind a rookie quarterback, nonetheless, maybe it's more of a you know nod, tip of the hat to Bill Belichick because you know he's done it with bad quarterbacks before. And I don't think Mac Jones is bad. But where, like, are the Patriots legit? Are, are the Patriots I, this move right now? Can it continue? Can they sustain this success? Uh, I think you you probably you probably say yes because of Bill Belichick. Like, I feel comfortable. Like, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen, but I feel comfortable, way more comfortable than like projecting if the Titans are going to carry up this play. Like, I'd rather bet on the Patriots being consistent with what we've seen. There's actually, you know, I've been on um, the Up On Game podcast with LeVar giving out picks. Yeah, A lot of the time, one of the games that we include has been the New England Patriots just because of the weird spots, you know, against Dallas. Uh, There's another spot against maybe Tampa that they cover. I mean, they're covering the Panthers or Tampa. Yeah. They're they're a covering machine, so um, I like I just feel comfortable in betting on this team going forward, especially considering like yeah maybe maybe the Bills do have some problems. Fair this year, Matt. For me, they're they're, uh, they're five and four because of the teams they've played. Four of their five wins are against god awful teams. They beat the Jets twice, they beat the Texans, and they beat. I I think the Panthers are god awful at this point. Yeah, and coming up, like they got to play Tennessee. I, who I obviously think they're they're I think Cleveland's better than them. I think the Colts are better than them, and they play the Bills twice. Tough. So that's tough. I think if you're a Patriots fan, the thing you're hoping for is not basically um, a, like a, a playoff run, but just be encouraged by Mac Jones. Here's a little figure out who quarterback two is. Here's the thing. So blind quarterback resume. So Mac Jones this year, eighty nine point eight passer rating, sixty eight percent completion. 7.1 yards per attempt. QBX, 88 passer rating, 60.8% completion, and 6.6 yards per Why attempt. Why do I know that? Like, is QB2 like going to be like Tom Brady or something? It's Tom Brady's last year in New England. <laughs> so similar weapons, and Mac Jones is playing Brady's one of worst years, but still, like, as a rookie coming in, Playing an NFL schedule when I was one of his detractors, you have to be very encouraged. He's by far the best rookie quarterback this year. And if you're a Patriots fan, don't be like, oh, we need to make the playoffs. Just be happy that you look like you have another good quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Going forward, they're great. I'm going to pump the brakes on this year, though. It, it's pretty funny that um, that I know Matt well enough to know that that second quarterback is some shape and form. I, yeah, I saw it. I saw it in the script, and I was gonna guess, guys. I didn't know this was a previous year, so I was like, "Ah, oh, I mean, Big Ben hasn't been completing as many passes. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's 
Jalen Hurts surprising us, but uh, it's gonna be a deep. Yeah, cut. Matt knows how to cut him deep. Yeah, but I'm gonna pump the brakes on the Patriots this year. Okay. Matt mentioned the teams they've played: two wins against the Jets, one against the Texans, one against the Panthers. You can't point to a single one of them and Chargers and say it's impressive. Player. That's a, yeah, one out of five. Decent. One out of five wins. Every team can pull a one out of five wins. The thing about the Patriots though is they're gonna have to catch the Bills in not one but both of the games that they play them. They're going to have to beat them and then have continued success to pass them because I don't think they have a shot at the wild card. I'll take whatever three teams don't make the AFC North, aren't the AFC North winner. I will take the Broncos over them, truly. I mean, the Chiefs and the Chargers, both of them are probably getting in. There's so many teams you have to hurdle, but the Patriots aren't the team I'm confident in saying you're going to hurdle because we can make the same argument and talk about, you know, the Bengals. Right, same amount of teams to hurdle, yeah. but now the Patriots are the one they have to hurdle, and the Patriots I'm chalking I, in as they hurdle that. So I, I don't think the Patriots are right. doing it. No, that's that's fair. I just think on, on and we can move on after this, but like yeah. the the only counterpoint I'd have is yes, they beat up on bad teams, but this is again why I'm like comfortable in backing them in the in the fact that they have Bill Belichick who has proven to be you know if if anyone's going to coach their team up to play better teams or or to slow down the, these high-profile units, yeah. it's Bill Belichick. And, sure. and you know what? We'll see what happens. Like you said, I actually like the Bengals more than I yeah. do the Patriots' chances to get in, but we'll yeah. see. All right. And that was just the example. I'll take the Broncos. I mean, there's a bunch of teams. But we'll move on. We'll go real quick through the last team. That's the Atlanta Falcons. There's only one team really moving in the NFC. Only four out of the – this surprised me. Only four out of the 16 NFC teams even won their last game, Right. So the Falcons have won three out of their last four. They were one and three after week one. We were like, this team sucks. Now they're four and four. They're still garbage. They're absolutely. <laughs> they're sitting garbage. in the. DVOA they are currently sitting down. in a playoff spot. The Atlanta Falcons. 31st in DVOA. They're getting carried by Matt Ryan because they've scraped wins against the Giants, scraped a win against the Dolphins, scraped a win against the Jets. If it wasn't for Matt Ryan, the last six games putting up really good numbers, they'd be one in seven right now. Uh, I think there's also another guy who, honestly, if you were to like silhouette him playing and just like say, like, guess who this is, and show me some of his highlights, I might think it's Jim Brown. That being Cordero Patterson, He's playing great. I don't know of like anyone who is like more efficient when the, when they get the ball. Yeah, the dude runs hard as heck, and like, I don't know, man. If you have him, you have. I mean, Calvin Ridley's situation really hurts them. Who knows? What, I mean, that you know, he's taking some time to get his mental right. That that's uh, you know probably the best course of option for him or action for him. So um, it, it's definitely a speculative situation in Atlanta, and there'd be a team that I would. It's I would guess falls back. Yeah, definitely. Like this is a team you can point to. But one thing you can say about the NFC that wasn't true. We just talked about all those AFC teams. Is there's not many people you need to hurdle. There's a lot of bad teams in the NFC, including, I mean, worst team in football, the Lions, Vikings are playing bad, Bears are bad, three teams in the NFC East realistically are bad. I mean, so, and the NFC West is underperforming, so do I think they make the playoffs? No. Have they positioned them in a great spot to do it? Yeah. Kyle Pitts is making the jump, Cordell Patterson's been everything, we'll see what they do, but we'll move on. They're going to lose 11 games. Wow. They're going to go two and seven the rest of the way. I just went through this schedule. Stamp that one. Yeah, we got that one. Time code, and, time code 2429. Matt, you're done. And, and Matt Ryan is Matt's boy. I love Matt yeah. Ryan. But we'll move on. We're, go, we're going NBA now. You know how we're doing it. And this is kind of where we have both going on. 
maybe NFL playoffs will skip NBA for a week, but we're going to hit on both for the time being. And we're going to look up to teams that are having surprisingly good starts. For the most part, you know, the NF or NBA playoff picture is shaping up somewhat like it was last year. But there's a couple teams that no one was thinking about. And there's a couple teams where if you had to pick, you know, before which teams would be these teams, it wouldn't be these ones. And I know that's confusing, but it, hopefully you're on the same page as me. So the first one's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Seven and four. I mean, Evan Mobley is the favorite to win rookie of the year. This guy's balling 15 points a game. Yeah, he's the favorite currently. Eight rebounds, two and a half assists, a steal over a block and shooting 52% from the field. Ricky Rubio apparently is the monster man now what he did in the garden the other day i was watching that game like, i don't know what about it, it yeah just makes it crack, darius garland somehow surpassed colin section of being the best guard in that backcourt which no one saw coming section now towards meniscus that is a caution flag but this team is playing well it's not flashy their highest points per game is 16.9 but they have six guys in double figures i mean the cleveland cavaliers talk, talk about their core like what, what can they actually do here it is Really perplexing to watch them play basketball. Yeah. Because their starting lineup, it's like, you know, they went uh, Sexton and Garland, I think, in back-to-back drafts, right? And you're like, okay, they you know, they have an influx of guards. Maybe they're trying to – they Kevin Porter Jr. at the time, too. Yep. And you're like, oh, they're trying to do the whole small ball thing. And then they said, uh, yeah, no, we're actually doing the exact opposite. And they brought in three guys who are, I think, the shortest – their front court's like 6'10", 7'0", 7'0". When you have Markinen, Mobley – and Jared Allen, and it works. Yeah, like when you watch them play, they give teams problems. It's kind of almost what you, what Sixers fans expected, Embiid, Horford, Simmons, yeah, uh, to be on that front court. Um, but they're playing inspiring basketball, like you said. Evan Mobley has been seriously impressive. Very Marlon good. Taking the step forward. Um, Jared Allen's super reliable. So I was, they, yeah, I was big on Suggs over Mobley, but I knew that at that three spot, they, they weren't going to take, take another Suggs. guard, yeah, right? But the way Moby's looked, I was wrong on that. I was 100% wrong I didn't on think that. He'd be this good. Like he, he is. Um, I like it's kind of hyperbole, but there are in ways he kind of reminds me yeah. of a young Embiid. Um, sometimes he's like once he starts to put on some muscle, I think he'll be a, a much improved player. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've been exciting to watch. I just don't know how far they're going to go. I agree. And so you say they're flip how they're flipping the script on you know the small ball NBA. They're also flipping the script on just conventional thinking. In terms of NBA, only one of four teams that don't have a 20 point per game score. And the other three teams are the Houston Rockets, the Detroit Pistons, and the San Antonio Spurs, who are five and 24. Yeah, they don't have a 20 point score on purpose. They yeah. Want to lose. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's crazy here. And they're not even, I mean, I know Deontay Murray's at 19. I would assume that Kevin Porter Jr. is probably above that 16 points per game that the Cavs are at. They might have the lowest, highest score on the in any team in the NBA. So I've been impressed with the Cavs. They're, they remind me a lot of the like mediocre Sixers with like Iguodala, Drew Holiday, because those teams didn't have a 20 point per game score. I remember yeah. one year Lou Williams was a leading scorer and he was a six off man. the bench. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're fun. They're young. They're decent. I kind of think they'll fall off, like kind of like the Hornets last year. Hornets were like twenty-seven and twenty-four, and then they fell off. Yeah, I think the Cavs will be like that. Little fun year for the fans, growing, but it, they'll they'll fall off and miss the playoffs by a couple games. Well, you know they're really going to turn it around next year once they get that big free agent to come to Cleveland. Yeah, they're really going to turn it around. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just do that again. Yeah. That once in a lifetime thing ever. Yeah. But we'll move on to another team. Surprising good start. The new look Wizards. 
They're seven and three. They're having more success without Russell Westbrook than they had last year. I know they actually they started kind of hot last year, but then started to fall off just like potentially what could happen this year. I've been impressed. Bradley Beal is now doesn't have to score 30 a game. Dinwiddie's been great. Kuzma's been great. Montrez Harrell either remembered how to play basketball or the Lakers coaching staff was so bad that they never put him on the court. But now he has an opportunity to shine, and that's what he's doing. I'm actually, out of all the teams, no. Out of all the teams, they're not the, my favorite team, but they're my second favorite team of all the ones we're about to talk about. Like I got, You, you have to give executive of the year to Tommy Shepard, the GM. Yeah. Because he took one of the worst contracts in the NBA, and this maybe is a little bit of hate, for Russell Westbrook, but I mean, I think it's fair to say with the way that he's played in LA this year, that he's probably not worth the 40 some M's that he's getting paid. Yeah. Um, he took that unloaded that contract and got three guys who have been huge contributors to the team. When you look at KCP Kuzma and Harrell, um, they make up 37% of their total scoring this year. So outside of Beal yeah. uh, and Dinwiddie, those three have been the most influential on the team. And what's also impressive, they've done, they have done all this without Roy Hachimura. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of a big question mark there on when he's going to be back. But he's you could argue he's their second best player when he's healthy. Yeah. I mean, outside of Russ and Beal, he was the only player on that team last year that you could actually be impressed from watching the Wizards. And yeah. now they have a bunch of other guys. That could be huge for them. And Denny Avdia, who I'm going to give a shout out to, um, still not playing many minutes. But I'm seeing him this year look way more comfortable on the floor, which is huge for, you know, a European player in his second year, a, a top pick last year, a lottery pick, who people were kind of scratching their heads at. I think he's ready to make a leave, too. He has. A couple things about the Wizards. One good, one bad. The bad news is that Montrezl Harrell won't shoot 64% from the field the rest of the season. The good news is that Beal's going to shoot might. way better than 25% from three. <laughs> so the... It, I don't want to make everything about Russell Westbrook because I like him. But it's such an indictment of Russell Westbrook the last five years. He leaves OKC for the Rockets. The Rockets get worse. OKC stays the same. Yeah. He leaves the Rockets for the Wizards. The Rockets are oh, the Rockets tanked. But, <laughs> so, but then he leaves the Wizards for the Lakers. The Lakers get worse and the Wizards get better so far. So it's, it's really shown how he hasn't been able to adapt to the – last four years of the NBA after being a superstar the first nine years of his career. And one of the low-key things about this team, like you look at their center spot and or their bigs, I should say, I won't say center, but they start Daniel Gafford. Um, they also have Montrez Harrell. And I guess Kuzma now technically plays the four, uh, the four they spot. S- they start Gafford and Kuzma plays the four, yeah. yeah. So, you know, off, off rip, you might think that, well, this is a team that's going to get beat up by size, but they've been great in terms of their um, – Defensive acumen, a league best 48% effective field goal uh, percentage allowed. They are third in free throw attempts, so they're being physical, getting to the hoop on the offensive end. And then yeah, that's huge. Uh, in the paint, first in defensive rebounding, second in blocks. And uh, I mean, like, it, it's just Gafford, and now Gafford is a great rim protector, even though he's not a prototypical center. Start Harrell. That's you, what I was saying. Think? Yes. Also, Kuzma is showing that he's a much better rebounder than we knew. Yeah. Uh, he's averaging 9.5 yeah, rebounds per game. Jump. Before that, he was averaging like six. He was never forced to be a wing player, but he played like a wing player. Now with and shooters. And Davis ate up there. Now with three shooters, KCP's has proven he can get hotter than, you know, the majority of the guys in the league. Bradley Beal, we know about. Dinwiddie, high usage rate. 
can play the wing, primarily a ball handler. Kuzma doesn't need to be out there. And I, I, that's been huge for him. I mean, he's still 6'10". Like, watching Kyle Kuzma, sometimes you forget he's 6'10". Well, he is, and he, like, during the, when, when he had his big run of hype after the summer league, like, yeah. he was playing the four a lot of the time. No. And I think that that is where, it, like, kind of same with Ben Simmons, where, like, he, that's the type player that, because they are at that size with that handle, are, like, a perfect mismatch for most fours that you're going to see in the league. And I wouldn't mind, like you said, you're saying start Harrell over Gafford. I would love it. I think that I think that they could do. They would just miss out a little bit on rim protection, even though Montrez uh, averaging 1.3 blocks, a career best Hooping. this year. Yeah, they're, so, they're, they're, they're the right. Wizards are much more real than the Cavs. Yeah. Just because yeah. I know that they have Bradley Beal. Yeah, my reason on that though is because Gafford was hurt, um, and when Harrell started, he became like the best player on the floor, and yeah. Bradley Beal was still on the floor. Yeah. Now I, I can see the argument, you know, like spark plug off the bench, like with guys like that, you're okay with your backup center being better than your starting center just because the way rotations work. So, I mean, maybe if Harrell's still getting more minutes, I'm fine with that. But very interesting team. Another team who, you know, maybe we forgot about. Maybe they, you know, underhyped last year, kind of let us down since they won the championship a few years back, is the Toronto Raptors. They're sitting at 6-5 and right now. Vegas had them going 35-47. and Pascal Siakam made a season debut yesterday. Um, not as many minutes as, but you know how that works. So the minutes will ramp up quickly. Um, and Scotty Barnes, who another guy I was wrong about, about the draft. I thought five was such a reach. I would rather had Kuminga, a couple of guys behind him. And he has been super impressive. And this is one that just hit me watching the Raptors. Giannis, like just the way he plays very, very Giannis. Like, I can't even remember exactly. Like, I wasn't. Isn't his wingspan like really disproportionate to his body? It's crazy. Well, he's he's I'm lengthy, very lengthy. But you know, like you know, Giannis now finds the mid range shot a lot. Scotty Barnes is a big part of his game, attack or mid range shot. Yeah, very well. So, I mean, I'm not gonna overhype him and leave around the rest of the team though. Fred Van Fleet stepping Six up. Nine, I mean, they're good. Seven foot three, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, crazy. I mean, like that. That's freakish. Like that is freakish. Yeah, so. and they just have a bunch of guys that will give you buckets every night. If one guy's off, I mean, Fred Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent, now Pascal Siakam. Any one of these guys is, you know, liable to give you 30 at least once this season. Well, and Van Fleet will do it a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, this year, actually, all four starters, I mean, we're early in the year. They, I think, have like 10 games played. But yeah. all four starters have uh, at least, excluding Siakam, obviously, first game back. Yeah. The other four starters have scored 25 or more points at least once this year. Mm-hmm. So that speaks exactly to what you're saying. Also, no starters averaging over 20. This is a little bit of a fudge because uh, Fred Van Vliet or, uh, averages 20.2. But OG averages. OG, rather, averages 20.2. Yeah. Um, but none of them average under 15 points per game. Yeah. So, like, they're all – this is, like, the typical – and now they are, again, once again, like, they – completely change over their stars, the, the people who have the responsibility of running the team. And once again, they are like a superstar away from being a dominant team. Very dominant. Eastern Conference. I mean, Gary Trent's probably the fourth best player on that team. And he has been, if you watch the Raptors games, which unfortunately I do, uh, maybe not as unfortunate this year, but I've, I've watched a lot of them so far. Gary Trent is like one of the best defenders in the league this year and is giving buckets on the opposite side. The way they run the rotations, they'll pull out all their starters and leave Trent on the floor to play the first four minutes with the second unit. And he has been so productive in that time and such a difference maker. He was the, I mean, it was the magic game, but he was the reason they beat the magic. I mean, like there's so much 
that Gary Trent's doing as your fourth best player, that just another guy you don't expect to get that from. And that's really the NBA in a nutshell. Guys that you don't expect to contribute, you know the star is what they're going to give you. But if you have two guys that are now taking a huge leap that you had no clue were even going to be good, that's how you get success in the NBA. And they're building, they're starting to build that mold. I'd still, I still think 35 and 47 is a fair projection from Vegas. I don't think anymore. I, I, I go a little higher. I think like 38 and 44. I think they remind me a lot of like last year's Spurs where really good coach is going to keep them in it. They have a really good wing player, DeRozan versus Siakam. Yeah. And some good guards you can rely on, but they're just not there. I yeah. think this team is going to go 500 and make the play-in tournament for yeah. sure. Like, this is, again, like, this is... But they very, weren't supposed to. I view them like last year's Chicago, or like once after they added Vucevic, where it's like, wow, these guys are a couple pieces, one big piece away from being, like, serious, serious. But I agree. Very serious, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we'll go to one more team. We'll move over to the West. For NFL, we hit primarily AFC. We're hitting kind of the Eastern Conference here. But we'll move to the West. And that is the Grizzlies, right? They did sneak into the playoffs last year. They're currently sitting six and four, but their team's a lot different. And Dylan Brooks, who was probably their second best player last year, you can make the case for Joe Val, but Brooks did the same thing. Hasn't played a game yet. They're way more complete. Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and DeAnthony Melton are now a huge part of this team that they weren't last year, albeit Jackson was hurt. But Bain and Melton were like the eighth and ninth guys in the rotation coming off the bench. So they're more complete to me. That's what I see in Memphis right now. John Moran is still continuing to improve. And this was the team I hinted that are probably my favorite team of all the teams we're talking about right now and was the team I penciled into the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and if John Moran can continue, and here, John Moran is like a very interesting case study. Yeah. Uh, because I test tells you he's now ascended to the superstar status. He is uh, clearly like the leader of this team, but. Then you go and look at his advanced stats and the Grizzlies' advanced stats in general. But when you look at Jaws, his net plus minus and his on-off splits are negative. As in like that that uh, lineup, the starting lineup, theoretically, has a negative plus minus. Also, when you look at his win shares per 48, that's a little weird too. He's 79th in the league. One point or 0.127 win shares per 48. 0.001 behind uh, my Tyrese Maxey. Our Tyrese Maxey. My Tyrese Maxey, too. Our, our Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Yes, our Tyrese Maxey. Uh, so, like, it's just that, – that is very interesting to me. That suggests that as the season goes on, that maybe these numbers won't hold. But they, according to uh, basketball reference, they have had the hardest schedule in the NBA yeah. so far this, this year. So, like, you know, maybe take that with a little pinch of a, gra- a grain of salt. What that, I mean, what the John Morant thing tells me, too, is – He's still very bad. Like advanced stats, one I hate plus minus. I've always hated plus minus. Well, because it doesn't tell the complete. Story. I think it's, it's only convention. beneficial to look at in the extremes. If someone's plus minus was higher than twenty or lower than twenty, for in a game, I think that's really the only time you can look at plus I minus. I think in an aggregate, it makes sense, but I, I think it shows because it's his defense that's holding him back. Yeah. Um, and the Grizzlies eventually have allowed the second most points per game in the NBA this year. They have allowed this sec- like only two teams have had opponent. They their opponents are shooting thirty eight point six percent from three. That's twenty eighth in the league. Their perimeter defense is really what's holding them back, and a yeah. lot of that is John Morant. Basically, they're playing how I expect them to play: a good, decent, a little around five hundred, sneak into the eight seed. So nothing's really surprised or let me down so far. I think Dylan Brooks patches up some of those holes, though. 
Dylan oh, Brooks sure. has been a good wing he's defender a dog, he's a dog on the wing. and, Dylan Brooks is a great and will be their second best player when he comes back. You can make the argument for Jaron Jackson Jr., but if you take Brooks's production last year, and I know Jackson was hurt, but you, and then you look at Jackson this year and compare him, if Dylan Brooks does that again, he'll easily be the second best player. Here's my hot take. Here's my hot take. The Grizzlies, and there's a chance that New Orleans didn't want him. The Grizzlies sent the wrong big in the trade uh, this offseason, offloading Eric Bledsoe. Um, and bringing in Steven Adams. They should have kept JV, yeah. and they should have sent Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm, not, I'm like not a Jaron Jackson Jr. fan. He has all the promise in the world, 24% usage rate. He has 12 points per game, and his win share is, again, like just horrendous, 0.035 per 48. Fox plus minus is bad, too, minus 3.8. Like, I agree. I just would, and maybe, maybe New Orleans like thought that Valanciunas had a higher value. I, I don't think Which that's he does. public perception. I, did, I think so. You think that was public perception last year? I mean, uh, which one of us had him on the third All-NBA team last year? Is that you? That was me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so you thought so. I thought, I mean, and Valanciunas has been great this year. The Pelicans have been so bad, but they've been plagued by, obviously, no Zion. No Zion. Brandon Ingram's missed about half the game so far. And, yeah. we'll, I mean. Oh, don't worry. We'll talk. We'll, we'll hit on them. Yeah. I mean, they've been very bad, but there has been a bright spot in J-Val. I think the the flaw there. Valanciunas led the Grizzlies in win shares last year. Yeah, I think the flaw there is that um, Jaron Jackson is a true four, and you got a true center in Steven Adams. So I don't think it makes sense to have Valanciunas and Steven Adams, and they'll take the young guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, whatever you could. Yeah, I guess that's good. So, Steven so Adams is in no man's land. Yeah, so it, it's it is tough, but I, I mean, regardless, I, I I think the Grizzlies are easily a playoff team and are playing a little better than I expected, but are about to make an even bigger jump with Dylan Brooks. But we'll move on. If you remember, we did probably week two of the NFL season. Facts or overreact? Where we're going to bring... Jake just brought a hot take. So we're going to bring a couple hot takes to the table. And we're just going to say, is this a fact or is this an overreaction, right? So the first one, Luka Doncic has separated himself and is clearly the best player under 25. That's not the hot take. The hot take is that no one is even close to him. Matt, factor over react. Devin Booker made the NBA Finals last year and was very Luca's the best, but Devin Booker is not far away. I think he, he's like he's he's trailing by a decent amount, but he's not he's not that far away. I I I'm, Devin Booker doesn't have the greatest advanced stats, but for me, if you make the NBA Finals and you're the best player. In most of that playoffs, he was better than Chris Paul in that playoff run, in my opinion. That is a whole level of clout that you can't just ignore. Well, I don't know if we're counting that. He's he's 25 and 11 days old. So is it younger? Is it, is it younger? No, we're doing beginning of the season. Okay. Beginning of the season. Um, I'm going to say it's a pretty vicious overreaction. Like, what have we seen? Luke is a phenomenal player, easily the best talent out of this group. But to say it's, like, not close is pretty disrespectful to Trey Young, in my opinion, who – led his team beat the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, uh, led them to the Eastern Conference Finals. He's His play correlates equal or more to winning than Luka Doncic just does. And now Luka has to deal with Kristaps Porzingis being his running mate. Like, that's not a ton of fun. Mm. I can understand that being a struggle. But, like, you just – you look around. Devin Booker is another good example of a guy whose play translates to winning. You could even make the case that uh, Tatum's 
play. And Jalen Brown, maybe Jalen Brown's a little bit of a stretch. All right. Tatum's play. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, we've, we've we finally hit a player that can maybe be in the conversation, and that's Jason Tatum. And to me, that's the only one that is maybe there. But I think this is a fact. And the reason it's a fact is because no one under 25 in the league right now is ever going to be better than Luka Doncic in their careers. And that's why I think it's a fact. Luka Doncic is the best player. That's unarguable. But I don't think anyone is close at all. I think there's some guys that have a shot to get there. Maybe LaMelo Ball, but you can't even talk about him right now. Way too early. Maybe Anthony Edwards, but Luka does way more. Edwards would have to be like a Brad Beal type guy. So I I don't think it's close. It's funny you say that. It reminds me of like a screaming match that Brian Scalabrini and Kendrick Perkins got into on the Stallion Pals podcast over like, Oh, Luka Doncic is the best 20. He's better than Michael Jordan and LeBron James as a 20-year-old. Like, as a 20-year-old. Like, yeah. Michael, Michael, and, like, it was a huge debate and argument. It just makes me laugh. But, I mean, but, like, he's definitely the best, but I just – I'm friend. not hearing any Trey Young talk. Because you said it translates to winning, but they're not winning. And they're not winning this year. All right. Yeah. All right here we go. But let's talk about let's, it. Yeah, let's let's, let's talk about it. The Atlanta Hawks are not winning, and we'll move to the second fact or overreact. That is that – and Matt's not going to like this one. The Atlanta Hawks will not make the playoffs. Factor overreaction, Jake. Uh, I'm going to say overreact because of just how wide the field is. Like it's like you have to really stick to yeah. like outright not make the playoffs, and then you give me Trey Young in any of those uh, play-in tournament games. Like, no. that's a guy who can single-handedly uplift you. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I haven't, to be honest with you, I, I haven't been super tuned into their games. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I've I've watched through. A game this year, but um, it's is, it's is the same Bogey, team as last year. Is Bogey? Um, Bogey's not having Bogey? any big performances. He's playing average Bogey ball. <laughs> average Bogey ball sounds like my um, golf game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, dude. It is a, it is a little bit of a head scratcher. I'll say that that they're they're a team that has definitely flown under the radar. I just have faith in them turning it around. They have a lot of like what what would prevent them from doing what they did last year? I think that was a fluke. So it's just an outright fluke because that's a take. You could go that you could you could go that route and say that it's a fluke. I don't have a problem with someone saying it's a fluke. Yeah. So that, you're going to go on record saying that it was a fluke. This is this is truly what they are. They're below 500 team. I think last year they made the playoffs deservingly so, but we saw the best iteration we could ever see out of this Hawks team. Eastern Conference Finals. No one was thinking that at the beginning of the year. No one was thinking that when they were a five seed going into the playoffs. That was the best iteration the Hawks will ever be. To me, this is a fact. Hawks are not going to make the playoffs. And 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 you can take the easy route, go overreact, and just be like, oh, maybe. We'll but I'm going to and, and go, oh, maybe. You know, that's the easier route. But the, the route is fact. I don't think of the eight teams that make the playoffs, play-ins tournament doesn't count. You still have to okay. take so that next step. I'm not counting 10 teams making the playoffs. So, so they're not going to make it. Double-digit losses five times. Yeah. Double-digit losses five times this year already. Five out of their eight double digits. Only two teams have had more. That is the Rockets and the Pelicans, the worst two teams in basketball. This was a fluke that they made the Utah Conference Finals. I didn't have them in the playoffs this year. I will stick by that. I had them as a three seed. Yes, you did. And I had, tr- I had trouble with that. They finished 27-11 down the stretch last year. Yeah. The, when they got Nate McMillan to bring in, Trey Young's having a lot of adjustment issues to the new contact rules. They're not going to be the three seed. I was wrong about that. But they're going to pick it up. They'll 
easily make the playoffs. They'll win 45, 46 games, and the slow start will be just seen as an adjustment period. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, but you coming off of Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, are you allowed to have slow starts? It's a little tough to say at this point. I mean, like, they have had, I think it's like the fourth toughest schedule in the Eastern Conference. That's like middle of the road, so like take it or leave it sort of thing. Um, but I don't I, – I just have faith in like a team that – like obviously like right now, what are we, we set 12 games in. Realistically, let's go to the standings. Like realistically, they could end up as like the four seed. It wouldn't surprise me. They could still end up as the three seed. It wouldn't no, surprise me. A lot me. of basketball to play. 70 it's games a lot left. Of basketball to yeah. play. Now – Based on the early returns, I would say yeah. It, it looks it looks like they could potentially miss out in the playoffs. But I just I bet against. There's that. the East got better. The East got better this <laughs> like, year. I, the thing is, I just don't have anything like disputable that I could say. Like this is why they're going to be better. They're not. Well, they're not going to be better than last year. But the point well, I, I tend to agree with you because I didn't think they were going to be all that good last year. But I mean. They I'm not can't. going to say it was a fluke because there is no way the Hawks can make the Eastern Conference with this I team. I feel like there's maybe some residual hate from the playoffs. There is residual the hate. Series. I have no residual hate for that playoff series. I blame everything on the Sixers. I don't have residual hate. I have residual bad takes because I rode the Sixers to the end. Yeah. And well, I believed it. Yeah, but I, I I went like even when you guys were starting to maybe like uh, I was like, no way the Sixers are losing. But I think I don't know. The Hawks weren't a great team in when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They weren't, in my mind, deserving to be there. And I don't think they're a good team this year. A team that's over-aligned on the three ball, has a superstar, quote-unquote, that is not on the level of, you know, the superstars that half of the teams in the league have. So, no, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, there is such a thing as getting a team on tape. You know, once you you really flesh out how they attack and how they want to get to their sets, like – yeah. Things become a lot more difficult, and if you're a young team like them, it's tough to adjust. Yeah, so. we'll move on though to uh, Zion Williamson. The factor overreact is Zion will be traded by the end of next season. Of course, that would be by the end of his rookie contract. Right. And so the Pelicans are one in ten. They've been our you know multiple times this episode our comparison point to talk about caution flags from other teams. That oh well, the, they're not doing much better than the Pelicans when you really look at it. So the Pelicans are one in ten. Zion has yet to play a game. He's the future of the franchise. Jake, I know you put this in here, so I want to hear your thoughts on this factor over react. So, I mean, there's already been whispers about Zion's camp not being happy. How could you be in a franchise like the New Orleans Pelicans? But uh, I digress. I think when you look at who's going to have the most money, so I think like seventh and eighth in terms of projected cap space are the Knicks and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, if he has not signed that Supermax, which – Truthfully, if I was advising him, I would just assign the Supermax and then find your way out. Like, yeah. that's the Anthony Davis method. That's, that's crazy. You get paid the best. Yeah. And, uh, but if he, if he doesn't go that route, like, they're essentially going to have after this year, let's say he comes back halfway through this year and the year's already shot. It's going that way now. They're one in 10. Yeah. Um, you're now going to have to either bring in a huge free agent, not going to happen, or, you're likely going to get a top five pick, which you could trade for someone, or you bring in like a, a top five rookie. Is that in your mind enough to con- uh, enough to convince a star player to stay? I don't. I don't think it is. Uh, no, um, I don't even think they should give Zion a super max. That's a hot take, though. Wow, that's no, that's like super. This is actually spicier than mine. Yeah, I, I don't think you should. Zion's what? gone. They got it. I know he's gone. There's no. If way. you give it to him, oh, I thought, I thought 
I thought you said done. Uh, oh, no, gone. No, no, gone. No, no, no. The Pelicans are a championship feeder. That's what they do. They're they, they, Yes. So they give Anthony Davis to the Lakers. They win a chip. They give Drew Holiday to the Bucks. They win a chip. So, like, even, like, Christian Wood, guys, like, decent with him. He gets a big contract. Alonzo uh, builds up his game. Now he's on Chicago. And they're, like, they're, they're, they're a really team important. that just is a transitional team that everyone wants to leave. And they're going to flip Zion for value. They're going to screw up. <laughs> and... And that's just who the Pelicans are. I mean, to be honest, like, they won the... I don't know if they... You can't really say they won because the Lakers won a championship with AD, but, like, they got pretty good return off of AD's deal, the most picks at the time in a single transaction. And they they had Lonzo, they had Brandon Ingram, they had Zion, and they did Jack squat. Well, that's why why I put it in here, because I do believe it's fact. Like, you... they, they, They caught Zion on camera talking about how much he loves MSG. He was, like, giggling about it. Yeah. Like... It's not that far-fetched for me to believe that he would want to take his brand to one of these big markets, uh, especially on a team where he may not have to do it all. I'm not saying he has to do it all with Brandon Ingram in tow. He's a great player. But, like, you're just not winning a title in New Orleans as currently constructed unless they hit uh, unless they pick someone who is as good or better than Zion with their, you know, fifth, fourth, third, whatever it ends up, second overall mm-hmm. pick. Then they're not going to win a championship. They have great young talent, though. They do. But they have Ingram has become a superstar. Val Valanciunas has been if great. Your team's one in ten. You're not a superstar. Nikhil Alexander. Well, Ingram hasn't played and know, but, proved himself to be a yeah, superstar. Nikhil, Nikhil, if you can't make the playoffs as your best player, you're not a superstar. Fair. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yep. But then Nikhil Alexander Walker is really young, great player. Devonte Graham, well, young, young who I don't love. I mean, pretty much never win the NBA. I agree. I don't think this team can win a championship, but I think they could fight for one. Yeah. It, Three, year, really, three, really, three years down the road. Like it would be a different story if this same exact team had wore LA Lakers jerseys and played in Los Angeles. It would be a completely different story because you know eventually that help is coming. Yeah, help's never coming in, in New Orleans. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm gonna just go overreaction because I see so many outs to him when not JJ getting Reddick traded. Can maneuver his way out. There's yeah, not a lot of they hope. broke his playoff streak. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna just say overreaction because one, I think the Pelicans want to hold on to their, you know once-in-a-lifetime pick that they have who is the future of their franchise. And I see a couple outs to where he plays. The only thing is I don't think Zion really wants to be when there. When you have a long rebuilding process, which is, I think, what the Pelicans have, and you have a player with an expiration date like Zion, you have to trade him. Because I, I would not bet five years from now that Zion is still a player you can count on to be a star. Just because of this health. You think you have to trade him? I mean, they uh, just picked him. He's supposed to be the future of this franchise. I, yeah. it's, it really it's the vicious cycle. Like, if they get nothing for him, then we have the cycle, the five-year cycle of you stinking until you get another Zion that you can squander, it begins again. Um, it, it, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but just last point I will make. We were saying a lot of the same things about the Sixers and Joel Embiid two years into his NBA career. Uh, plagued by injury. Oh, well, you can never count on him. And we still, still to this day, he is injury. I, I mean, injury prone, I think, is a fair thing to put on Embiid. But, like, Embiid's an MVP level player when he's on the court. Yeah. And if you can build around him, you can build the number one seed, you know, around him, around a guy like him. So I think Zion has a lot of those qualities. Yeah. Zion's value now is higher than Embiid's was before he played yes, again. Correct. Fair, I yeah, I agree. We'll move you on. You couldn't have traded like Embiid for Towns straight up before this. Uh, all right, we'll move on. That's it for Factor Overreact. I think we're going to cut the countdown. 
You guys cool with that? Yeah, that's fine. All right, so we do still have time to get some shots up at the buzzer. Who's got one? You can go ahead, Matt. I found the most evil reality show that has ever existed. Reality TV? It's called Moment of Truth. It aired in the late 2000s. So it's all episodes are on YouTube. Basically, they get this person, you send in a survey, and you take 50 polygraph tests based on the survey you send in. And then you go on stage with like your family next to you, and you answer the lie, and you answer twenty-one questions. They pick from the lie detector, and it's brutal. It's like, do you wish you married your boyfriend instead of your husband, your ex-boyfriend? That's crazy. Do you do you wish you look? Do you think looking like your mom when you got her age would be good? Like, and they stand to the mom, and you basically have to call your mom ugly and so, on TV to get five hundred. I wonder how much they're paying you to do that. Five hundred thousand. And that's if you win. That's twenty. So and if you do all the questions and don't tell a lie. Yeah. If you, and yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, I'll do that. No, but yeah, it's yeah, the questions. are- Five hundred thousand. It's brutal. I guess you heard a lot I mean, of people's honestly, feelings. It depends on, on like I guess you the, just don't know. I don't. It's it's. It, I'll have to watch it. Where did you watch it? Where he said you? YouTube. I found a clip YouTube? on Twitter, and then I found it on YouTube. There's some. There's a clip I'm going to show you off air that's just wild that I'm not going to be able to talk about. I think I would do it for 500000 I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to see this clip, see what kind of questions they got going. But, Jake, what do you got at the buzzer? Uh, so, big kind of career month for me. We have Penn women's basketball finally starting back up. Uh, I will be on NBC Sports Plus or NBC Sports Philly uh, and NBC Sports Plus on I think the date is December seventh. Um, the Villanova women's team takes on the Penn's women's team. That'll be a fun one. That's awesome. And then also some exciting news on the betting side. I work for BetQL and uh, just recently found out that I will be the executive producer of their new combat sports betting show, talking about. UFC talking about boxing live on the radio in like 10 major markets on Twitch. Uh, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. So I, I'm really happy about that. And uh, I'll obviously be plugging that on here when that all gets started up in December. That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks, and and I mean, congrats. Yeah. And we'll have to get some, after I get some contacts, we'll get like Conor McGregor on the show and it'll be, a, it'll be a ton of, that's a bold statement. <laughs> that's a bold statement. I, I, I don't commit to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All I have to say at the buzzer is, the downfall of Pitt basketball has been the worst, probably the worst ever in any D1 school history. Power six. You say power six in college basketball because of the Big East. Basketball coming at you. But they weren't never that good. Pitt's never, won, Pitt's never won an Addy. I'm talking about how quick this happens. No, no, no. Pitt's had, Pitt has had a steeper de- decline. Pitt was one seed of back-to-back years in the tournament, no, sure. constantly sure. contending in the biggest. Move the, let me just run you through the last three years real quick. 2018, we bring in Jeff Capel to coach. You get the Duke assistant. That's awesome. He brings in three recruits. Boom. They were all good. Those three guys ended up being the top five Pitt players of the last five years. They're in there somewhere. and I mean, they weren't that good, but Pitt basketball. All three of them have transferred out. Nice. Our best player just went to the league as a sophomore. Those alone set any program back three to five years. But when you can say it sets Pitt's program back three to five years, where Pitt five years ago was still not even a tournament team, and that's still a true statement. And now you look at this year. Two starters. One punched a cop, got arrested. He won't play this year. Another one just tore his ACL. That's two starters gone. So we're like, all right, 
Yesterday, I didn't even want to watch the game. We were playing the Citadel at home. I've, I've seen it too many times. My freshman year, we lost to Montana, home opener. I was, I was at the game. Last year, we lost to St. Francis, home opener. This year, we lost to the Citadel. No. <laughs> we lost to the Citadel. This has been the worst decline of all. I don't I care think, about I that. I, I don't care about the... 2008-2009 Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas made back-to-back national titles games, winning one. Yeah. And I'm trying to find the next time they won a tournament game. And yeah. I'm in 09. They won it in 94 and lost it in 95. And I'm in 09 clicking forward looking for the next time they won yeah. well, I mean, you can yeah. go back to like 08 right now for Pitt. I mean, it's not that much. Arkansas rebounded, though. We saw them as a three seed in the tournament, I believe, last year. Yeah, And we just gave them one of our players. One of those three guys transferred to Arkansas. But that's all I have to say. It's been the worst decline ever. I chose to watch the Sixers lose yesterday instead of uh, Pitt to the Citadel just because I, I knew it was coming. I've last seen it. year. It was last year. Yeah. And they finally they won finally the won one. How many years was that then? That's 17. No. 26. Years. 27. All right. 26 years. You're right. Yeah. Well, Pitt's at like 12 now. So uh, we're getting there. But that's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. This team is horrible. But that's all the time we got here at Straight Facts. Again, shout out the Up On Game Podcast Network, who we are now a part of. We're really hyped about it, guys. But as Jake said at the start, this is just our start. We're going to keep this ball rolling, keep this doing. Our hard work's paying off, and we have a lot more hard work to put into it. For James Jackson, who couldn't be here with us today, we'll see him next week. My man, Jake Galley. Stat Matt Robinson. These have been the facts. Straight up.